Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Music for Education and Wellbeing podcast. Join us each month to hear ideas, inspiration and practical advice from people making change through music. These conversations are hosted by me, Anita Holford of Music Education Works and Writing Services. So I'll be focusing in particular on breaking down barriers to music through communication and advocacy, but from quite a broad perspective. I really hope you'll enjoy them. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here. I just wanted to jump on ahead of the introduction to this podcast to let you know that we did have a few problems with the sound and I hope that it doesn't spoil your experience of the audio too much. And now on with the show. Hello, it's Anita here and welcome to this month's podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Elle Williams, who is a classically trained guitarist who has been working as a music tutor for 10 years in mainstream schools. Why I thought you'd be interested in Al is that she now specialises solely in working with special needs students and other people with additional needs. So welcome, Al, and thank you ever so much for making the time to talk to me. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Anita. That's quite an introduction. (laughs) (laughs) So I usually like to sort of start off by asking, how did you end up where you are today and why is it so important to you personally? Okay, I started out as a classical guitarist um, doing performance and session work. Um, So I've had a lot of experience of of touring, playing both the classical guitar um, and electric guitar. Tuition has always been really high on my professional priorities. I was so lucky as I developed um, my own skill to have access to a wide range of, of tutors that were very attentive, obviously very knowledgeable and enthusiastic as well. So I'm really, really motivated to be able to pass that on to other people, um, specifically those with additional needs who need a slightly more tailored, insightful approach than perhaps a mainstream tutor can offer. Thanks for that, Al. That sounds a really interesting kind of path to take. And I'm really interested to hear a little bit more about um, how you ended up specialising in providing music lessons for for people with additional needs, because I think that's quite unusual, isn't it? Um, yes, I, occasionally I'll come across somebody else at a, at a conference or a training event specialising in, in one-to-one instrumental tuition. But in all honesty, I can probably count those people in, in one hand, um, which seems an awful shame. It's a huge, huge area which desperately needs skill applying to it. Um, so hopefully I'll get the opportunity to talk perhaps a little bit later about how we can think about upskilling more people to work like this. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about the types of people that you work with and the range of disabilities that you see, because often I think the terms additional needs, SEND, disability, they can be a barrier in themselves to people kind of understanding just who is facing barriers to making music and the sort of needs they have. So can you talk to me a little bit about the range of of people that you work with? Absolutely. Um, I work with a really, really broad range of, of people. Currently, um, I'm on a project for one-to-one tuition um, in special needs schools throughout Leicestershire. So they are MLD um, students in moderate learning difficulties there. Previously, I've worked in hospitals, prisons, secure units, treating mental health. So a vast variety of different settings, all of which requiring different skills and, of course, all of which with hugely different clientele. So the kinds of people I work with can range from people with educational needs, autism, emotional and behavioural requirements, sometimes physical disability. So yeah, huge, huge spectrum of society, which is really, really 
inclusive and enriching for me as a practitioner. And how did you come to specialise in this area? A long time ago, I answered a phone call to a gentleman who was looking for a guitar teacher for his son, which is a fairly ordinary inquiry. What was different about this one was that the gentleman had been phoning around lots of different tutors to try to find somebody who would just give them an opportunity and give them space. And the reason for that was that his son was non-verbal with, I would say, moderate learning difficulties and additional needs. And the problem that he was encountering is that a lot of the tutors he spoke to felt that his son either sort of didn't possess the ability to learn um, in a conventional way, so weren't prepared to entertain that um, as an option. But I guess more of them probably felt that they didn't have the skill set um, to work with this young man. So I saw an opportunity and I thought, I'm, I'm open-minded and flexible in my approach. Let's give this family a try. So I gave this gentleman and his son an opportunity to come and meet me, to listen to me play, to just have musical interaction and, and see where it led. I didn't get the opportunity to work with this young man for a huge range of time, although I would have liked to circumstances just meant he moved away with dad's work so I worked with him for a couple of months but I think what's most important is that during that time the son got the opportunity to try out different instruments different ways of making music and to be settled and expressive in himself but also dad got the opportunity to see that there was a potential for learning and for trying out new things for his son so overall it was a really really nourishing experience Experience for all of us and I think it led me to consider working with more people um, with additional needs and perhaps you know thinking about the skill set that I had and that I felt I could develop for that purpose because very often the people that I work with just need a chance they just need somebody to believe that there's that little glimmer of light and that bit of ambition there that can be nurtured. Yeah so I've heard you know a lot of families and individuals that they found it's really difficult to find somebody who's willing to work with them, whereas they'd be willing to work with anybody they felt that they sort of have found a connection with. And so often mm. it's a fear in music tutors that they're going to not be able to deliver a good quality service or or they're not going to understand enough about that person or not have specialist skills. And obviously you do sometimes need specialist skills, which we'll go on to talk about. But sometimes, as yeah. you say, it's actually about taking a leap yourself and thinking I want to be open to this can you tell me a little bit about your next step then in terms of thinking right I think I can do this now where do I get the skills sure um at the time I was working in in mainstream education much more so my initial thought was to go to the special educational needs advisor in my school um, and basically ask if I could work with more people on SEM register and see what happened <laughs> which oh. um <laughs> But possibly not the most structured approach, um, but it was the one that was available at the time, which led to some really, really beautiful work and some great opportunities. So I have a, a lot to be thankful for there. In terms of seeking CPD and, you know, continuing with my own education, I think this is really important and I have a huge respect and commitment to professional development so my training has been a real tapestry shall we say of different areas encompassing community music practice I've also trained as a musician in healthcare with Opus Music CIC I was one of their apprentices oh, um, okay. a couple of years back which is a wonderful Brilliant. experience and what I've found there is the opportunity that I had to work as a musician in healthcare with older people with dementia 
has uh, sorry has enabled me to find lots and lots of transferable skills a lot of the people i work with with additional needs are non-verbal so obviously there's a, there's a big skill set required in that kind of work perhaps above and beyond other special needs projects and those that are in more mainstream sorts of settings so how long did it take you to develop the skills to get to the stage where you are now which is that you totally specialise in this area and are very confident in what you're doing? I've been totally specialising in SCN work and work for those with additional needs for the last five years. Before that time I was working with special educational needs in a mainstream setting so I've probably been working in this way for about eight years. I'm constantly developing more skills, really reflecting on my own practice and finding new avenues to explore. So in terms of when did I feel ready? I guess as the job required it, <laughs> I upskilled and, and went with the students to give them the best experience possible. But in terms of when will I be the finished product, I'm not sure there is such a thing. <laughs> no, that sounds like a really sensible approach. I guess we're all learning all the time. Absolutely. And, um, particularly in music education practice. So what would you say is the reason where, why there aren't more people like you? Why is there this sort of fear around it? I think that there are two sides to answering this question, Anita. One is that, as certainly as far as I can see, the training opportunities are not there. I've really struggled in my own CPD to find strands of education which apply directly to what I do. So more often than not, the knowledge and the education that I've sought is, is allied to it. So for example, with the community music practice, some really, really great courses and some really useful things going on there. And it's taking gems and little pearls of wisdom out of allied practices and then sewing them into my own work. Oh, that's interesting. So no one place you would be able to sort of signpost people if they were considering this? Sadly, not at the moment. If anybody out there is listening and they know of the perfect CPD all rolled into a nice little package that I can uh, go and feast on, please do let me know. But no, as, as far as I, I know, there is nothing specific to this. I've taken a lot of inspiration and certainly given a lot of thought to some of the practice of music therapists. And I've, I've found that a really useful route to pursue to the extent where I have supervision voluntarily with a music therapist who enables me to gain an, an insight from a psychological perspective over some of the behaviours and choices that my students make because many of them are, are non-verbal I'm looking at other cues such as body language their positioning in the room musical and non-musical behaviours gesturing that kind of thing to to elicit responses from from what we're doing to guide me as to whether I'm doing the right thing and whether you know we're working at a pace that is suitable for that individual so that's certainly one one area I think the other reason that one-to-one -one instrumental tuition is seen rarely in special needs work is that musical encounters that SEN students tend to have tend to either be music therapy based which of course is hugely hugely valuable and I have a, a massive respect for the music therapy profession but it is different in its approach whereas music therapists will use music to work towards therapeutic goals with the students my goals are musical goals so obviously I have insight into to some extent why students are behaving with me in the way that they are and what they will benefit from and what they're getting from the tuition I'm using that insight to further musical knowledge and technique on an instrument rather than 
for a therapeutic purpose. And then the other type of music making, which again is wonderful that you see a lot in SEN settings, is the group music making activity. So orchestral outreach projects and, and drum circles and that kind of thing, which are all great. And I've had lots of involvement with those activities over the years. So um, really, really valuable stuff. But I think one-to-one -one instrumental tuition just isn't something that's out there on the radar. It's something that is possible in very special settings possibly because there aren't enough of us yet doing it to be making a loud enough noise but give me a chance yeah. <laughs> I'm working on that it does seem a bit crazy doesn't it because I think you know when you and I met before at a conference a few months ago we both kind of got quite excited on our bandwagons about the fact that why isn't this happening this seems crazy there's one yes. music tuition it should be available for everybody there mm. is you know quite a, a movement now spearheaded by youth music called an alliance for the Alliance for Musically Inclusive England and working with a range of organisations trying to create change in music education in all sorts of ways for all sorts of people who find barriers to making music. Um, so hopefully things are beginning to change but the one-to-one -one music lessons I, I'd sort of really be interested to hear from any listeners about if they know of anybody providing specialist one-to-one -one tuition. Hopefully though this, this whole sort of movement of change will encompass one-to-one -one tuition soon. Really interesting to think about it in terms of look there's music therapy on offer there's community group, community music making, but one-to-one -one is that third rung that isn't there. How do you think it differs in terms of um, your actual practice? My work focuses very, very much on my relationship with the individual. And even when I was working in, in mainstream, it was noticeable actually how my client list or my student list remained the same. But through whatever means, um, I'm good at retaining students we have really great relationships and that, that's an intentional part of my practice is to take an interest in the student as a whole so obviously the, the way that they behave in music lessons what we achieve what they want to achieve is hugely hugely important it's around that things like taking into account transitioning from classrooms into the music room for example so I make a big thing of greeting students individually and personally taking an interest in what activity we're leaving behind in the classroom and perhaps what will be there when we return because we need a calm approach to be able to learn and to be able to work together. That sounds like classic community music and inclusive music practice doesn't it that whole thing about taking a holistic approach and thinking as much sure. about maybe personal social outcomes as well as musical. Absolutely and some of the some of the best outcomes obviously Although I should very much say that the musical outcomes are hugely important, which they are. But some of the best, most enriching outcomes are actually when I've worked with somebody in a piano lesson and then they can transfer back to their classroom and have a better rest of their day. Um, or, you know, their dexterity that they're developing can enable them to fit shapes better together in their maths class or, or whatever else it might be. So I am generally, genuinely interested in the whole student as well as what goes on in my room. And so if there are people who, who look after groups of music tutors like hub leads or music services leads and they're sort of thinking really would like to encourage our tutors to expand their skill base and to be able to, to work with young people with additional needs, what would you say to them? What, what could they do to help? I mean, who, who helped you when you were starting to do this work? I think that the bottom line for most situations like this will be funding. In a lot of cases, certainly in the past, I've worked for Leicestershire Music Hub, who 
started off the project that I'm currently working in by subsidising lessons for students in SEN settings. So from the point of view of hubs, funding either, either funding practitioners who are already skilled to come in and deliver tuition and sort of kickstart project is a really, really valuable thing. Likewise, any music hubs that are able to fund sort of career development and training opportunities is a really valuable asset as well. A lot of this practice, community music practice, more inclusive practice, is often learned on the job. Um, so you were saying about the lack of training and, and formal mm. training courses, but actually a lot of musicians say to me that they much prefer shadowing and observation and feedback and learning in that type of way. So I guess that's another area that possibly music services and hubs could help by placing people together, sort of buddy system or observation system or shadowing. Very possibly. There wasn't really anything, certainly in, in my area of, of the East Midlands, there wasn't anything I was aware of at the time um, that was up and running. It still feels very, very much in its infancy. But yes, certainly any any music hubs out there that, who are listening who would have the facility to do that, I would definitely, definitely encourage you to. I think there are two areas to this. One is enabling confidence and experience in practitioners who are able to work with students with special educational needs who are perhaps in a, in a mainstream setting. So I notice a lot when I get out and network and talk to music tutors um, that so many are very, very highly trained and very well revered in working in mainstream situations, but have just not had the opportunity to pursue further developments for SEN work. Um, so in, in those settings, I think upskilling people would be hugely beneficial. But then I think Certainly in the areas that I am working in currently, where we're looking at MLD, so multiple learning difficulties, and with some projects, PMLD, I do believe that is a, a, quite a specialist skill, particularly combined with music. So yes, we are crying out for very specialist training in that area. And so that would be more formal training as well as some shadowing. In an ideal world, yes. <laughs> yeah. So if a music tutor is listening to this and is thinking, I'd, I'd really like to do more work with a wider range of young people and include young people with additional needs in my work, working one-to-one, -one, what would you say to them? How would they start and where would they go? I think tutors who are working with special educational needs or, or wanting to do that within a, a mainstream setting would be well advised to look at training opportunities through local authorities. I know sometimes some of the, the best training opportunities actually I've had have come through through charities and through who are willing to train people in how to work with people with dyslexia, for example, or autism in mainstream settings. There's a lot of information um, can be gleaned for the music tutor from those situations, just about sort of how to present what you're doing in an accessible manner, how to I guess, win the attention of, of your students and, and maintain it. So there's some really very excellent generalised special needs training opportunities out there to find. Excellent. And that's something that if you're working, for example, for a local authority music service, you may be able to access reasonably easily. Yes, absolutely so. So you've talked about tutors working in mainstream education, but what about those people who probably want to take that step further and want to either work in special schools one-to-one -one, or work with families who have children who have perhaps profound multiple learning disabilities? I think an 
Anita, that this is a, certainly a more challenging question. It's a more challenging area of, of my work. I think initially for anybody who isn't accustomed to going into specialist settings, then finding an opportunity to do that is a, a definite starting place. So I don't know, maybe contacting um, your local LEA and seeing if there's any opportunity to, to shadow lessons, perhaps classroom music lessons, for example, in an SEN setting. Lots of special needs schools um, that I'm affiliated to do have classroom music teachers and music specialists within them. So certainly accessing some of their group work situations in the first instance will probably teach you um, an awful lot. Once you've done that, this is where I've spent the last, probably the last decade, doing research, reading a, a lot of, of research papers, certainly on, on SEN um, music, referring to a lot of music therapy texts and music therapy conversation about the subject. So sadly, I don't believe that there is currently an inclusive training for what I do. Um, I hope one day that I'll be wrong about that and that will be a thing of the future but my education has certainly been a, a big composition and a huge learning curve of lots and lots of, of different areas but I think I'd advise anybody that wants to go into that to, to not be put off, to be confident in your abilities. The fact that you're interested means you've got an inquiring mind and you're clearly reflecting on what you do already and that will stand you in excellent stead to, to develop into a, a really really good tutor hopefully. And there's some other organisations that I know that can can help I'm not sure how much they training they do for one-to-one -one tutors but maybe that's an area they might look into if they don't already so Drake Music who are really well known as being specialists around music with people with disabilities as well as music technology um, they've got some really useful resources they do training and they've also released a guide some years ago called We All Make Music which is a really fascinating read and just recently they launched a new document that, that shares their ideas and concepts about inclusion from a disability perspective so that's a really interesting read as well that's available on their website the Alliance for Musically Inclusive England has has um, a resource hub on the Youth Music Network website and there is a section on working with young people um, with disabilities that's sort of growing so so people in in the Alliance for Musically Inclusive England are adding resources and guidance and advice and little sort of bits of signposting all the time so it's definitely worth signing up to the Youth Music Network e-newsletter and going and having a look at the Youth Music Network website. So finally, Al, I wondered if you could give us three practical pieces of advice or three calls to action for either other music tutors who might want to be more inclusive in their work or for music hubs and music services. Sure. On the level of, of, of the individual, I think my, my number one bit of advice would be that the answer is always yes. So if a young person or... <laughs> Um, an older person for that matter approaches you wanting to play an instrument um, that seems like a strange choice maybe or something that's going to take some work the answer is always always yes your job is to find the way which leads that. me on to my, my second um, bit of advice which is be confident in not knowing what the outcome will be I think I always look at the relationships I have with my students and the the path that we're on in a sort of a joint enterprise um, kind of capacity in that neither of us really know where this is going but we're in it together and um, we're going to work it out and it will be great and then my third bit of advice is to share so share what you're doing the opportunity to pass on your good work whether it be through sound recordings or feedback or in my case sometimes report writing so share that within 
the settings that you're working with with classroom teachers get them on board with with what's happening make sure it gets sent home to parents to management and people at the school people perhaps in your um, local music hub who are responsible for funding and all these other great big wonderful things like that but part of what I do is is really about fitting in with the setting and being part of the workings of, of that school so most of the most of the settings I work in I'm quite widely known around the school so other students will come up to me and say oh how is such and such getting on with the piano and we'll have a little bit of a chat about that so it's almost like having a residency within the school and once the whole school embraces the idea then you'll certainly have no shortage of students um, or fans in the playground. I love those three pieces of advice really brilliant and also really great that you finished on a piece of advice that's relating to communication so thank you for that. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you ever so much for coming on the podcast Al it's been really good to hear about your work and I just hope that there are more people like you in say three or five years time as a result of all the really great inclusive work that's going going on around the UK so thank you again and if you want to read more about Al I'll share the link to her website and Um, other links that we've mentioned today in the show notes thank you very much for listening that's the end of our show this time thank you for listening to the music for education and well-being podcast and make sure to subscribe so that you get to hear about future episodes if you'd like to be on the podcast or you'd like to know more about me and how I help music and creative organisations through communications, then visit writing-services.co.uk and get in touch. Thanks for listening and have a great week.